Hi everyone, this is Mauricio Porras and welcome to the Hero Podcast, where we feature the voices of change. Hero is an activism lab that empowers and connects activists around the world to accelerate social and environmental change. Go to heroactivism.com to learn more. I want to start this episode by giving a message to all activists out there. The work that you're doing matters. It really makes a difference. Against all odds, you're fighting against a system that is broken and unjust, but you choose to show up every day despite the challenges, because you believe a better world is possible. You inspire people around you, leading with action, and even though there's still a lot of work to be done, your power and purpose are moving millions. You are the movement that cannot be ignored. Thank you for raising your voice, for organizing, for questioning, for sharing your knowledge, for holding world leaders accountable and amplifying the work of activists in the front lines. Action is your power. In this episode, recorded back in 2021, our guest is Dominic Palmer, a climate justice activist based in the UK. She's an organizer for Fridays for Future International and member of the Bad Activist Collective. We talked about some of her key learnings as an activist about the police crime and sentencing bill in the UK and the Withdraw the Cap campaign, about the importance of amplifying diverse voices in the climate movement, about how compensation can help activists around the world accelerate change, and the ongoing challenge we have to reach more people outside the movements to join this fight. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. Dominic Palmer, welcome to the Hero Podcast. I'm so honored to have you here. How are you doing? Hi, it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me on and I'm doing all right. Awesome. Well, uh, Dominic, I'm very interested in learning more about how you became an activist. So for people that are listening to you for the first time, who are you and how would you describe the work that you're doing as an activist? So I'm a climate justice activist and student based in England. I'm an organizer in Fridays for Future International and the press coordinator for Climate Live. Mm -hmm. And the work that I do is mainly focused around organizing different climate strikes and actions and mobilizing people to unite for the climate and working on various different international campaigns. And mm -hmm. so when I first got into activism, I became more aware of the severity of the crisis at the time, but also the direct impacts that it has on people and communities. I started seeing posters around my area um, in London, which is one of the most uh, polluted areas in London, about people who were already being impacted by air pollution, um, for example. And I learned that communities of color in the UK um, are the most impacted by air pollution and then learning about it on an international scale about climate justice and how communities all across the world are disproportionately um, impacted for 
many different reasons, many different factors goes into that, but mainly systemic um, inequalities that have led to that and just connecting the justice side of it and the climate crisis together, that's what really Mm -hmm. pushed me um, into activism. And so I joined my first climate strike and then I joined the group at the time. It was um, the UK Student Climate Network and the youth strike group in in England and Wales. I joined it and I started organizing and doing stuff ever since. Awesome. And what have been some of your major learnings maybe as an activist during this time um, that maybe can be useful to other activists? So in this time, I think one of the most useful things has been to kind of have a stop and reflect on our activism. So reflecting on my activism and um, what I was doing and you know how it was contributing to this movement and also looking at the way forward. So thinking about the most effective like how can we be the most effective in this movement? Um, what's you know the way forward for this movement um, so we can continue to pressure global leaders for climate action and also um, just uh, reminding yourself about the solutions as well and about like the future of green recovery and that another world is possible. I think in these times it's very hard um, right now, especially with the pandemic that's going on and then we have the climate crisis that is still ongoing it's it can be easy to lose sight of that and forget that there is a movement which has been so incredible that has really built up um so much in the past few years and mm-hmm. to remember that we are all fighting this together in this kind of like united fight and that a future is possible as long as you know we keep going yeah and i think that mm-hmm. that's so so important that what you mentioned to have hope right that a better future Mm -hmm. and a better world is possible and I think that the work that you're doing and the work of other activists make this hope uh you know rise and despite the challenges that we're facing I think that that's a key word for this movement is hope that in fact we can build a better world uh even though we're facing right a lot of of challenges ahead, but um, I think that your work and the work of other activists makes this possible. And well, Domi, um, you've been very active uh, lately on social media and other activists as well. There's many things going on in Europe and the UK, uh, especially with the new police and crime bill. So let's talk a little bit more about that for maybe other activists around the world that are not so aware of, of this, what it's going on. Um, why is this bill so important to, to be rejected or amended? And what's the current status? So what's currently happening is there is a new police and crime bill um, that is being passed um, into law um, that is sponsored um, by the Conservative government, um, particularly Priti Patel. Um, what's happening is that our right to protest essentially is being threatened. So this bill will criminalise nearly all forms of effective protest and it will extend the government's powers to outlaw peaceful protests and impose harsher punishments. So what this means is that for us um, who protest, for anyone who takes to the streets in protest or even for people who have um, even like smaller values or or smaller forms of like civil disobedience or direct action, they can be criminalised. And particularly in the bill, um, what is massively concerning is that it can be uh, made an offence 
to mm-hmm. cause like a serious annoyance or inconvenience or loud noise in a protest, which is every protest that you see. Every protest is inconvenient. Every protest can be deemed in a way annoying and loud, but that's what protests are. And so not yeah. only are they trying to silence the power of the people, but also trying to criminalize it. And what we've been seeing a lot is that the police have been getting more and more aggressive when it even comes to youth strikes. For example, in London is one thing that I have witnessed. Every youth strike, it has been getting so much more aggressive, the police Mm -hmm. um, towards youth strikers. And that's before the bill. And now we're having even more aggression. The current status right now is protests that are going on in Bristol, for example, have been met with extreme force. Um, It's been absolutely awful to watch what is going down there. And this is before the bill has even been passed. And so right now there's a lot of concern from all of us that our right to protest um, really will be like clamped down on and we really have to fight hard against this. So right now um, the Conservative government passed um, it through the next stage. Um, It isn't going through the final stage right now. The final stage will be much later this year and there still is the opportunity for it to be blocked um, for a while in the House of Lords. And so what we're just trying to do right now is just really apply the pressure. Um, everyone's been contacting the local MPs and mm-hmm. um, members, um, peers as well in the House of Lords. Um, just as much noise as we can possibly make about this because it is absolutely crucial. And I personally um, fear for the future of peaceful protests in this country if we don't get this bill rejected. And Domi, how can other activists, maybe on an international scale, um, you know, get involved and help you out with this uh, other actions that you're taking locally? So one thing that people can do internationally is help amplify us and help amplify what's going on and making noise about it. Because the more pressure that they feel coming from all directions, the better. And... Uh, on my page and also a lot of other people's pages, like on Instagram, for example, um, we've been posting like resources that people can directly use to um, mm-hmm. share resources and to take any action. Uh, most, petition, most petitions are only for people based in the UK, but there are also some for people internationally. And mainly just boosting and making other people aware of what's going on right now so we can just place as much pressure as possible. Yeah, I'll be leaving also the, the links in this post so they can uh, check the toolkit that I see that many activists are sharing on social media. And yeah, so we need everyone to get involved and raise their voices because, I mean, I cannot believe that this is happening on 2021, right? Uh, That Mm -hmm. we need, the more we need world leaders to start this conversation, the more they're trying to avoid them. So I think that definitely we need to stand against uh you know oppression basically um and yeah i think that this bill definitely must not pass um and activists need to have the right to i mean it's a human right to protest peacefully and to raise our voices to you know let uh politicians and world leaders um of the things that we were about the most so yeah definitely thank you for raising the boys and raising awareness about this because it cannot go uh, without taking action also you've been very vocal and uh, about withdraw the cap with a withdraw the cap campaign so let's talk a little bit more about that what is going on 
Um, and why is this so important in the European Commission? Uh, what is going on and what do you want to accomplish with the campaign? So the current Withdraw the Cap campaign um, is to pressurise the European Commission to withdraw the current agricultural policy that they are proposing. Um, the key uh, point about the cap is that it is not in line with the Paris Agreement or reaching 1.5 targets. And so it's not just a policy that will affect um, the European Union, but it will also affect the world. And the EU has the moral responsibility to act on the climate crisis due to historic emissions, and they have the capacity to do so. And so it is you know, absolutely ridiculous that this is even being proposed. And so we're really trying to push against this because it doesn't, we need a cap like in our cultural policy that safeguards our biodiversity, that respects the Paris Agreement, that protects sustainable farming, and that works for the people as well. And so what's going to be the next stage um, of this is going to be the meeting that some Fridays for Future activists are, ha are having with Franz mm -hmm. Timmermans um, to pressure him to take that to European Commission and you know, withdraw the cap. There was also the, C the super tri trilogue <laughs> that just took place. And so they have had opportunities along the way to reject this and withdraw it and amend it, but it has not happened yet. And so we will keep pushing for this. And if people want to uh, find out more about the campaign, find out more about the common agricultural policy, um, you can check out the Withdraw the Cap um, campaign Instagram, as well as joining in the different digital campaigns and also physical actions that are going on to protest this. All right, so Domi, um, you're also... Uh, um very outspoken about equality, right, and inclusivity in the climate movement. So why is it so important for the global climate and, well, social justice movement as well to be as inclusive as possible, to amplify other voices in the movement, uh, especially since maybe mainstream media is not, uh, you know, amplifying these voices? Why is it so important for other activists to amplify other voices that maybe are on the front lines that are not being heard enough? And just how do can we build a more inclusive movement, uh, you know, as a whole? So climate justice requires that all people deserve the right to a healthy environment. And so to advocate to protect the planet and the people, we have to have equity in our solutions. Mm -hmm. And if we do not um, push for equity in the movement, we're not going to be able to pressurize world leaders to put that in climate policies. And there needs to be more of an understanding about how oppression is so embedded into our current system and is intrinsically linked to the climate crisis. So we cannot fight the crisis without an intersectional movement because as we can see right now, there are people on the front lines of the climate crisis, our environmental defenders. There are also communities, particularly communities of color, indigenous communities that are directly, mm -hmm. uh, that are disproportionately and directly impacted um, by the crisis. For example, for example, communities of color across the world are most likely to live in the most impacted areas. Um, there have been a lot of situations where um, inequalities that are embedded into our system have really um, affected um, environmentalism as well in the way. So for example, the slow response to like the Flint water crisis how globally communities of color have been made to live next to like toxic facilities and hazardous air pollutants. 
that have mm -hmm. a significant impact in, on health and haven't had the resources or political power to oppose the exposure to toxic infrastructure, for example. Um, there just needs to be more understanding into that, into how the climate crisis is so rooted in um, colonialism and capitalism and how this exploitative system is driving this emergency. And so to make it a more inclusive movement, we need um, those who are being affected need to be platformed because they have their first time experiences, knowledge and education that is so important and so crucial for the movement. And our voices generally need to be listened to. And those who are disproportionately impacted, they can't be talked over, but actually genuinely listened to and included in these spaces. So not tokenization. And we really need to work on these climate spaces to make them more inclusive in that way. Totally agree. And I think that, uh, as you said, I mean, we need to amplify the voices that are in the front lines of this crisis to actually get to know, you know, the effects and the, the stories and how uh, climate change is really affecting these communities, just not to have it in theory, right, but amplifying the voices and getting the right support for these communities uh, so that they can, um, you know, adapt and face the, this climate emergency with the right resources and tools. And that brings me to, to my next question. Well, as you know, from HERO, we're trying to build uh, a new platform that will allow activists all around the world to get paid for the work that they do. So in, from your perspective, how do you think that getting activists paid and start having this conversation around compensation in the activism movement, how can getting activists paid and more resources uh, for activists all around the world change the way activism is done from your perspective? Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to activism, there needs to be, you know, people need to understand just how much work goes into it. I have seen the amount of dedication and work from people in this movement who a lot of have either school on the side or university or um, a job. And what happens is that it takes up so much of your time and it's also um, you're doing a lot of work and using uh, providing your skills, providing your knowledge. There's so much that goes into it. And also what ends up happening is that those who do not have the time to be able to um, offer this to the movement end up either leaving the movement or not joining in the first place. And so this kind mm -hmm. of idea that was spread around um, a lot kind of last year with the big um, protests that were going on is that the climate movement is just something for like middle-class people, which is completely um, incorrect. Um, it's not just something for middle-class people and there are a lot of working-class people and people of many different backgrounds in the movement, but it does um, tap into something that is true in that not everyone um, can afford to do this all of this work um, for free. And the problem with that is that obviously this is such this is something that is so crucial and mm -hmm. not everyone needs to dedicate the same amount of time to it but we really need to sustain people if we're going to keep this movement going and we can't allow um people to not be able to join or not be able um to do certain things in the movement because they don't have the time because they can't afford to and i think that is a really big barrier and also Another reason why we don't have as much numbers in the movement and people um, kind of move on to do other careers or 
um, jobs because they need to survive, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yes, and act activism at, uh, currently doesn't pay the bills, right? So obviously there's a need to, to, as you said, to survive and, you know, be able to, to pay things. And I think that if we manage to bring those resources to individual activists, then uh, we're going to see an increase in numbers, right, uh, of people that are going to be able to afford doing activism and also allow other activists that are already in this movement to afford doing activism full time and maybe avoid burnout, right? That, yeah. as you said, so many activists are in the university or school, uh, have another job, and then they need to keep doing this uh, activism work. So obviously there's a lot of burnout in the movement. And I think that if we get the right resources by different supporters around the world, well, activists definitely are going to, you know, to have the right uh, resources to do their work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, we're advocating for that and working really hard to make that a reality. Uh, but I think that we need to start having these conversations and normalizing the fact that activists deserve to get paid in the first place. So when we talk about yeah. activism and money, right, in our current society, it's not like mm -hmm. uh, two things that go hand in hand or together. And I think that we in the movement need to normalize the fact and stop feeling maybe guilty uh, when asking for for. Uh, compensation right because I think we need to start from the inside out and I think that we need to get the guilt out of you know being paid and recognized for your work mm -hmm. because I mean you're investing as much time if not more than any other people in other industries and that needs to be compensated mm -hmm. so Domi how can uh, related to this And you said that we need more people in this movement to put more pressure right on different policies and governments and world leaders. So I also think that we're go going like around in circles, right? In the activism movement, like maybe we reached a point where we are only able to talk to the same uh, activists and people. And there are many people out there outside the movement that are not being Uh, included in this movement or are not currently participating yeah. so well. I think that uh, compensation and money could bring more people into the movement. But also, why do you think or what's your take on that, on some ideas that the movement can implement to get out of the activism bubble and start bringing more people into the movement that are maybe not thinking of being labeled as activists, but that they can definitely make a change. Yes, yeah, so when it comes to the movement, we are, um, as you said, at a point where we're starting to reach the same people. And there are many key issues with this. The first being that um, we need more people um, to pressure world leaders. We need more people in the movement. We, you know, people power um, requires people. And One of the issues with that is, as I talked about kind of climate justice, making it inclusive, is that what's happening is that the movement isn't very um, diverse or like well representative. And so not only are we like, um, we don't have all of those experiences in there, but we are missing, um, there's so much untapped potential that there is for this movement to be truly a united fight for, for liberation. So for mm -hmm. example, an actionable step that we can take is 
in like the upcoming global strikes and our upcoming events and actions is actually reaching out to other social groups and other social movements who, um, who we can collaborate with and understanding that the climate crisis is interconnected with these different social issues. So mm -hmm. local groups and national groups can actually reach out to their local or national social groups or social movements. And it's so important that we do this now. And now is actually such a key time to do it, especially how with COVID and how it really just exposed kind of the fabrics of society, like the unequal foundations that there are. A lot of people are starting to realize more the interconnectedness of certain issues. And so I think it is just so key right now, especially to get so much more numbers out in the street. And secondly, um, as a movement, we really need to push um, the idea that there's so many different things people can offer to this movement and that a movement mm -hmm. is not just created and sustained by a few um, by a few people or a certain type of activist or certain type of person. A movement is just sustained by people and behind every strike and protest, actions, campaigns, there are so many different people working on it. And we need to really push that you don't need to be a certain type of activist. There are so many different skills and things that people can offer to the movement and that are completely valued. So I think those are two steps we can really take um, to pushing this and also just engaging people in a new way. So for example, one thing that I'm working on is Climate Live and it's an event that's happening this year in October um, where it's going to be concerts taking place in over 40 countries where artists mm -hmm. and activists and speakers are going to take to the stage um, for climate justice. So it will engage a new audience by um, with the artists and they'll come to the concerts and then we'll have kind of local campaigners and national campaigners on stage talking about um, what people can directly get involved in and how they can directly join the movement and also having the experiences of those in the front lines platformed so it's using it's harnessing the power of music to bring new people in and this is just one way that we're um, trying to engage a new audience in the movement so that we can get more people onto the streets I love that. And I think that that is so important, what you just said about uh, connecting people from other industries, right, and bringing them into the movement with music, art, uh, filmmakers, photographers. I think that there's so many ways, like you said, that uh, people can do activism. And of course, organizing, striking is one of them, digital campaigning as well. But I think that many people out there have different a different set of skills that can be used in activism. Now, uh, Domi, what would you say? I've been having a lot of conversations outside the activism, uh, let's say the activism bubble, right? Uh, with potential supporters, but like people that are not currently engaged uh, in activism or with activists, but that I know that they have maybe the resources to support some activists. So, mm -hmm. When I say activism, the first thing that comes to mind for them is like, I cannot keep, you know, uh, flying on airplanes, right? Traveling. Uh, mm. I need to become a vegan. I need to change, like radically change my lifestyle. Uh, I need mm. to do all those radical things to become or be labeled as an activist. And I'm not into that. So that's like the first reaction. And they go like, mm -hmm. being an activist is like being this radical human being that just, you know, is against everything that uh, 
you know, that we like or that, yeah, it's part of our lifestyle, right? So I think we have a big challenge on getting these people on board, but they do in some way care about the planet. So how do we close the gap and start, you know, uh, changing the concept of activism for people that are outside this movement, for people that think that becoming an activist or in order to become an activist, you need to do all these radical changes, like from day one. So what would you say and what are some of your thoughts on this? So my thoughts on this about one thing that's so important to try and bridge the gap and uh, one thing to push to these people um, is that there are so many different uh, ways um, that they can offer skills. Like there's so many different things they can offer to the movement and what they see is they only see um, the most radical things that you can do. They only see the activists um, who are like in the media a lot or the activists who are speakers and they look at it and they go, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. um, I could never be an activist. But what they don't see is what goes on behind the scenes of that is that there are so many different people acting in so many different capacities and not everyone is on the same level. A lot of people are still on a journey of learning. Um, not everything is going to happen instantly. You're not going to need to turn into this like um, perfect kind of ideal type of activist even that doesn't exist <laughs> in yeah. one day. And it's just so important to remember that and also that none of us are perfect. Um, because we, ex we live in this system that is perpetuating the crisis, it is you know, impossible for us to be absolutely perfect uh, when it comes to this. And so first, just erasing that expectation of yourself that you will be perfect um, in everything that you do. And also just remembering that we are all pushing for a better tomorrow, like a better world that will um, benefit people as well as protecting the planet and what you may value as something that um, you think is crucial to life now, for example, something that may um, pollute the planet, um, for example, there are solutions for that and we are pushing for solutions for that. And just knowing that that's the better world that we're pushing for and also knowing how this directly impacts people as well. And how interconnected it is. It might be inter so interconnected to issues in your life that you didn't realize um, about the crisis. And so it's so important to remember that and also just have a really um, open mind when it comes to learning because you will be constantly learning new things. No mm -hmm. one, um, you don't need to be an expert. We already have experts and scientists and everyone, like we do have experts here that are valued, but I'm definitely not an expert. Um, so many activists I know aren't, and that is not what you need to be um, to join the movement. And just remembering that um, movements are sustained by um, so many people. If you look back in history, uh, for example, in the civil rights movement, not directly comparing this to the climate crisis, this is very, very different. Yeah. Um, but you look at kind of the leaders, but not everyone was like uh, Martin Luther King, for example, who really pushed that forward. And it's so crucial to really understand and um, see how uh, movements are pushed forward and so in this case just know that you can get involved in so many different ways and you don't need to be perfect or an expert because I certainly am not. Yeah I love that and I think that that's the first thing to understand right just as you said it you cannot or are not expected to be perfect because that uh, ideal doesn't exist right And yeah, I think that so many people can get engaged in many, many different forms and 
I think especially what needs to be clear is that this is a, an ongoing process, right, of learning, just as you said. Mm -hmm. I mean, every day you learn new things, every day you get to learn more from different activists and experts and specialists in different areas. And I think that if you have that open yes. mind that you mentioned, then you will be able to start listening, uh, learning, and maybe yeah, relearning some of the things that society has pushed upon us, but that not necessarily are the right structure in the right way. So I think, yeah, that's, that's perfect advice for so many people that I've been talking to that are really scared when they, you know, hear the word activism and it just keeps, you know, sparking, sparkling this uh, curiosity when I see people so scared when when I mention activism and they're like, no, that's not for me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we need to <laughs> find new ways for activists and the activism movement to connect with these people and to, you know, maybe uh, remove that stigma around activism that you have to be this radical human being Uh, to be able to do activism. Of course, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being radical. We need radical change, right? But sure. I think that we need to start somewhere and that everyone has a different journey and we have to respect that for more people Definitely. to feel welcome uh, to this movement because we need everyone literally to join in the way, in the best way they can because everyone has a voice and if everyone uses it, in whichever way they can, then we're definitely gonna push uh, for significant change. Uh, Domi, to start closing, I just wanted to ask you, what does it mean for you to be a hero? Oh, that's a, a difficult question. <laughs> I would say a hero, for me, being a hero is, I mean, you don't need to be um, some kind of superhuman um, these insane expectations to kind of be a hero, you can be kind of like an everyday hero. I think being a hero is really about the daily, um, what you do on a daily basis, essentially, and what you do and how you work towards um, liberation and protecting people. I think that is what I could imagine in um, the sense of like a hero, but I don't, I, for example, wouldn't see myself as a hero, as that's something that's very kind of centering and centering on myself and in movements, um, especially when it comes to the climate crisis. It's not about centering ourselves, but it's about centering um, the movement and pushing forward as a collective. So mm -hmm. I guess you could say there is a sense of, you know, collective heroes <laughs> together yeah. in this movement who are all working to protect um, the planet and people and that you can... Um, you can join that um, without being some kind of perfect type of activist, which you might view as a hero. Yeah, I love that collective heroes. Dami, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us in the Hero Podcast, for joining the conversation and sharing a lot of what uh, you have learned during this process, some of your ideas and your work. So thank you for everything that you're doing. I think that your work is so meaningful and valuable to the movement. And it's such an honor to have you as a guest today and part of the hero community. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. Of course. So let's keep in touch and 
we're always happy to amplify your work and your voice and everything that you're doing. So hope to see you soon. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Hero Podcast. Remember to subscribe and to follow us on Instagram and Twitter as Hero Activism. See you next time.